what a joy it is to be able to welcome you here today. Thank you for joining us for worship. If you're here, and you, you who are here in person, and all of you who have joined us by live stream and Facebook Live, we are so happy to, that you've joined us in worshiping with this church family today. If you're a guest here inside the sanctuary today, we welcome you and we thank you for your presence. Thank you for choosing to worship with us. Uh, I will remind you that after the service, if you'll go by the Welcome Center, there are some bags with a little, some information and a gift for you if you are a first-time visitor. So just go by there and pick that up on your way out. Again, we're glad you're here, and we pray today, as we always do, that you feel the presence of the Lord as we worship Him in the beauty of His holiness today. Why don't you take a minute just to stand and wave at everybody around you and let them know you're glad they're worshiping with you, and then we'll join in singing together. promises of God, you join as we sing together.
Thank you, and you may be seated. I would like to echo what Bill said. We'd like to welcome you here today, especially if you are a first-time guest. We always love seeing uh, smiling new faces and uh, masked faces, all kinds of faces. We are thankful that you're here, and I'm so thankful today to introduce you to Doug Hamblin. Doug and his wife, Kim, I believe you said, started, moved here in November and became our new uh, Franklin Baptist Mission Strategist. Used to be called the Director of Missions, but Doug is here today to give a greeting and also maybe to make a presentation. But Doug and Kim, we welcome you to Frankfurt. Back home, Doug, for you, and so thankful you all are here. And at this time, if you would come. Well, I am Doug Hamlin, and I am your missions strategist for the Franklin Baptist Association. I bring you greetings from the other 29 churches in your associational family. Uh, I want to praise God, first of all, for what he's doing here at Forks of Elkhorn. It's obvious that you have opened your heart to what God wants to do in Franklin County and I want to thank you for your, what you've done in the past and what you continually uh, do for the association through participating in the associational ministries that are reaching Franklin County. In fact, you may not know this, but Forks of Elkhorn in 2019 baptized 66 people. Yeah. That puts you in the top 10 in the state for baptisms. That is something that I think needs to be celebrated. Now, I know you don't share Christ to receive or to get accolades, but it is something that is, uh, well, it's just something that needs to be celebrated. So, with that, Todd, I would like to present... Forks of Elkhorn, what I call a Shepherd's Award for job well done. So I will either just give this to you or leave it up here. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So now I get to worship with you and get to hear one of the best preachers in Frankfurt. Amen. <laughs> Doug, thank you, and um, Doug and I talked a little bit this week. His mother, Julia, Julia Hamblin, was a member of our church for a short while, sang in the choir for a little while, so Doug is home folk. Doug, and we're glad you're here. Thank you for being here with us today, and thank you for that. I'm going to ask you to stand and join as the worship team leads us in our next phase of worship today.
of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no Father, I've known you as a friend, and I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful, and all my life you have been so.
a beautiful song and even greater message. How many of us can say today that God has been faithful to us? He has. God is always faithful. We're the ones that drop the ball and many times are unfaithful. And it reminded me in the early service when we sang that song, His goodness is running after me. And the picture I see is the, the parable of the prodigal son when the son, the younger son, went and squandered his share of the inheritance in a distant country and wild living. And then when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to eat? And here I am starving to death. And so this is what I'll do. I'll go home and tell my father I've sinned against heaven and you make me as one of your hired men. But you remember when the son was still a, a ways off, the father went running to his son and he embraced him and he held him in his arms. And that's, that's his goodness running after us. And maybe you're here today and you have been in a distant country um, spiritually. Maybe you've been in a difficult time as we all have over this last year and and you're wondering if God cares. He, he cares very much. He loves you and me so very much. And he wants to run after you and me, pursue us, and have a relationship with us. And one of the ways we do that is through prayer. Every week, under normal circumstances, I would invite you to come to this altar to pray. But whether you're worshiping at home or here in this building, you can make where you are an altar. You can stand. You can kneel. However the Holy Spirit leads you, I invite you to join me as we lift up our prayers together. May we pray. Father, thank you for your goodness that runs after us. And, and Father, that you stand at the door and knock and whoever will open the door and invite you in, you will come and fellowship with us, eat with us. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that when you were on the cross, we were on your mind. And Father, thank you for the freedom we have to worship you and to praise you and to bring glory and honor to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I pray that you would forgive me of any sin in my life, any impure thought, any impure motive, anything, God, that would hinder you from speaking in and through me today. And Father, would you just bless every person worshiping with us today, whether it's online or in person. Father, that they might feel your Holy Spirit be convicted of sin and drawn closer to Jesus. Father, we just continue to pray for healing in our land. We pray, God, that this virus would end soon, this pandemic would be over, and we could get back to whatever the new normal is going to look like. Father, that people will feel comfortable to come back to church and worship you and fellowship with other believers. Father, we continue to pray for unity in our country. We continue to pray for our leaders on every level for wisdom, godly wisdom. We pray for great revival and spiritual awakening to break loose 
in each of our hearts and in our community, our state, our country, and our world because our only hope is Jesus. So, Father, help us to be bold in our witness and faithful to you because we know you're faithful to us. And, God, my heart is overjoyed to see some folks here today, the first time back, maybe since this pandemic began a year ago when we had to go to virtual only a year ago today. And how we're so grateful that we're able to worship in person. And may we never take for granted the opportunity and the freedom we have to worship together. And Father, I just pray today for people that are watching or people that are here that are hurting or struggling or battling depression or battling addiction or battling or struggling with some plaguing sin. Oh God, set the captive free, deliver them, and give them a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I pray now that your Holy Spirit would continue to move through the musicians, the instrumentalists. Father, speak through the power of your word and your servant that your voice might be heard and our lives be transformed. For we love you and we praise you and we need you, God, right now. In the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bible with you, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 27? And as you're doing that, I'm grateful that an ensemble from our choir is here to sing. Thank you all for being here today, and ladies for playing, and Bill for leading, and for our worship team. And, and I love worshiping and praising God, and I'm so thankful that you're here. We're going to read two verses, beginning with verse 45, Matthew 27. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
thank you all for leading so beautifully. And again, thank you for joining us for worship. I always like to share something on the lighter side. This is, this is no joke. This is the truth. This past week, my wife Kelly and I went to, uh, to get our first vaccine. And uh, as we walked in, I have to tell you, it was surreal. And some of you I know have already been there and done that, but to see the lines like you're lining up for a ride at King's Island or Disney World, and then to see the military in their camo, I felt like I was in a horror movie, Night of the Living Dead or something, you know, zombie gets vaccine or something. I was, it was a really, well, after they directed us to our station, my wife and I sat down to get our shot, and the gentleman, even though he had a mask and a protective shield over him he was getting ready to give me the shot and he said you don't you don't recognize me do you <laughs> well it's kind of hard to recognize him he had on a mask and the shield and I said I know but anyway turns out I'd coached his son in basketball at the Christian Academy several years ago and and uh, so he he was sure to give me the full dose of the shot but anyway after after the the shot uh we were directed to a seating area, and if you've been there and done that, you know what I'm talking about, a seating area where you were to wait for 15 minutes, had a big clock to make sure you see if you had any kind of reaction. Well, there was a nurse or a Kroger employee or a pharmacist, I'm not sure who she was, but she was in front of the chairs kind of directing people, and I went up to her and I said, is this normal? Well, she laughed. I was trying to make good, the best of a bad situation, like that old song saying. So then she seated us, and then, uh, and I'm, believe me, I'm not making light because a lot of people have been very sick and have even passed. But then I sat down. I couldn't help it. We were six feet apart in chairs, and I looked over, and there was a gentleman sitting there. He looked like a nice guy. And, and I looked at him, and I looked back, and I said, I don't know about you, but I said, I'm foaming at the mouth under this mask. What about you? And, and he kind of looked at me, didn't know what to say. No, no, I'm not. I said, well, I'm not either. I'm just kidding. And then when I looked, then when I looked around, people were, there were a couple ladies like doing this and doing this with their arms. I don't know why, but I started doing it because they were. And my wife said, put your arms down. What are you doing? I said, well, that lady back there was doing it, so... I don't know if that was to make your arm less sore or get the blood flowing or whatever. So, But anyway, all that is to say, it was an interesting experience, to say the least. But I'm thankful that we're making strides to where people feel safe and comfortable to be back in God's house and to embrace one another. It was just this past week that on one of the news stations, I saw a story about some senior adults in their 90s, and there were a couple, even over 100, maybe you saw them, who were in the nursing home, and it was the first time in a year that their loved ones had been able to visit them in person because they had been vaccinated twice, they had gotten their shots, and as I watched these tearful and warm embraces and responses. I couldn't help but have a tear that came to my eye as they, 
embraced each other for the first time in a year. And it was a moving. These dear folks were so lonely and hungry for that touch and hungry for that affection. You know, there are a lot of people today who have experienced loneliness during this time. I mean, loneliness is an inescapable part of our human existence, isn't it? I mean, from the time a baby is in the cradle, a baby will cry when the parent leaves the room. They, they long for somebody to be there or someone to hold them as they lift their little arms. Maybe you've experienced loneliness as a new student at a school or maybe as a freshman on a big college campus, you've experienced loneliness. Or, or maybe you've experienced loneliness moving into a new community, not knowing a soul, or coming into a church where you don't know a single person, or maybe a, a new job that you've taken and, and you did not know a soul. And, and so loneliness is so prevalent in our world, especially today and, and through the years you think about all the hit songs that have dealt with loneliness. I mean, you could go on and on, but the late, great crooner Hank Williams saying, I'm so lonesome I could cry. Or, or you think about Celine Dion, all by myself. I don't want to be all by myself. Or, or you think about even uh, Elvis, are you lonesome tonight? He asked the question, or the Beatles and Eleanor Rigby uh, look at all the lonely people. Where, all, where do they come from and where do they all belong? Or even more currently, Justin Bieber singing the song Lonely and Stardom. He feels lonely even though he has all the money in the world. He still feels lonely. And maybe that's how you felt today, lonely. And in our scripture passage today, we see Jesus sharing his fourth set of sayings or words from the cross. We've We've been looking at these the last few services, both on Sundays and Wednesday nights. And today we come to the fourth set of words or sayings that Jesus spoke from the cross. And let me tell you, they're difficult for me and for us to hear. Because Jesus was showing both his, not only godliness, but his humanness. And we see him suffering and we see Jesus in a very lonely place. And maybe that's where you are today. You are suffering from something, anxiety, panic attacks, maybe suffering from an eating disorder, maybe suffering from, from an addiction, suffering in some way. Your heart's aching, and maybe you feel very much alone. And that's how Jesus felt after all of his disciples deserted him and as we talked about this past Wednesday, his mother and some other ladies were there, and, and then John, the disciple whom he loved, would come back to be with him, and Jesus would give him the responsibility of caring for his mother Mary. But today we see Jesus in this passage in the darkest time of his life. We read the scripture in verse 40. Five, from, from noon to three, darkness covered the whole land. And uh, 
It was very dark, and it's amazing that when Jesus was born, there was an extraordinary light that heralded his birth, and now we see at his death an extraordinary darkness signaling his death or his passing. And we've talked about in past times, why was it so dark? Well, I think first it expressed the moral anguish of Jesus taking our sin and our punishment when he died on the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it said, God made him who knew no sin become sin for us, that it, in him we might become the righteousness of God, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of our praise teams sings that chorus, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become righteousness of God. I believe it was so dark because it symbolized the spiritual darkness of those who rejected him. In John chapter 3, verse 19, it said, This is the verdict. Light came into the world, but people loved the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. We're living in a time where people would rather stay in the darkness than come to the light. Why? Because when you're in the light, our sins are exposed and we're convicted. But if we're over here in the dark, then nobody can see what I'm doing or how I'm living my life. But if I'm living and walking in the light as he is in the light, we can have fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. But I think another reason it was dark is because it expressed the deepest grief and mourning the world has ever known. When Jesus died on the cross to save you and me, I can't imagine the agony. And this was from noon to three. But from last March to today, darkness has covered our land. A darkness like we've never seen. And for you and for me, it's been a dark time because we've lost so many loved ones during this past year. I mean, even in our own church family, we've lost some of the finest folks you'll ever meet faithful, godly servants of our Lord who have left has caused us to grieve and mourn over them. It's been a dark time because our children have lost socialization at school and in sports and have longed for that community of being together. People have lost jobs and businesses have closed. It's been a dark time for so many financially. I believe it's been a dark time in God's church because we've missed the sweet fellowship. And even though, praise Lord, for technology that we've been able to bring you services, I've heard many people say it's just not the same of being there in person. And we have missed that sweet fellowship of being with one another. This past week I was visiting with my mother and most of you know my dad passed away back in December and, and then my mom got COVID and all my brothers, I was the only one that didn't out of my, my brothers, my wife and I didn't and my sister-in-law's got it and my mom and one of my brothers and his wife had to be hospitalized and anyways, I was visiting with my mother the other night 
Mom looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, this has been the worst year of my life. I said, it has, Mom. It's been a tough year. But I said, we're getting through it. And I said, you're, you're, you're doing better trying to get weaned off the oxygen and got a good report this past week. And I praise God. I said, and her faith is strong and our faith is strong. And, and I want you to know if, if you are still in this dark time and you're just struggling, no, you're not alone. You're not alone. First and foremost, Jesus understands because he went through a very, very dark time. But then when we read this story, there was also a desperate cry. The first part of verse 46, about three in the or about three in the afternoon, there was a Jesus made a loud cry. He made a loud cry. Well, this isn't the first time we've heard Jesus cry. Remember in John chapter 11, Jesus was dear friends with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. When he was in Bethany, he would, that was a place where he could go and relax and get a good meal and get away from the hustle and bustle and the crowds. And remember when he got the word that Lazarus had passed, even though Jesus knew what the outcome was going to be in verse 35 of John 11, it says, Jesus wept. So we know that Jesus, the humanness, the suffering that he was enduring, he cried out in a loud voice. Have you cried out any during this season? Have you cried out and just struggled with your pain and the suffering and of everything that's going on right now? We see Jesus' humanness in Luke chapter 22 Verse 42, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, we said, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. That was his humanness. The cup was the suffering of the cross. And then if you would read on down in verse 44, it said that as he was overwhelmed with this feeling, he was just overwhelmed and, and he continued to, to earnestly pray, and he had drops of sweat that fell to the ground like drops of blood. He was so overwhelmed and anguished. That was his humanness. He was both God and he was man. He was human. And we see him crying out. And maybe that's what you've been doing, or maybe that's what you need to do. It's, it's okay. You know, we were taught early on, you know, big Big boys don't cry or big girls don't cry. And I'm not going to go into the song, but, but it's okay. It's okay. I, I've shared in so many funerals, there's a couple of natural escape valves from the pressures and stresses of life. One is laughter and one is tears. And Jesus cried out in his humanness in a loud voice, as I've shared with you, I've done so many funerals over this past year, some two, three a week of so many folks within this church family and extended family. And uh, I've seen a lot of people at their lowest, their darkest moment. And not too awfully long ago, I had gone in to do a funeral and I was seated and they began to play the first song that 
was going to be a part of the service, and there was a young man who was a young dad who had passed unexpectedly and tragically, and his mother was on the front row. And as that song was playing, she began to cry out in a loud voice, I want to see my baby. I want to see my baby. I want to be with my baby. I want to be with my baby. And I tried my best to bring comfort to her. I went down to her on the front row and I said, He's with the Lord. I promise He's okay. And you're going to see Him again one day. But she continued for a few minutes and then as the service went on, the Lord began to comfort her and she stopped. But when you hear someone crying out, and their desperation, it touches your heart. And I think about the psalmist David, many psalms in Psalm 142, 6. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my desperation. In Psalm 143, verse 1, he said, Hear my prayer, for I cry out to you for your mercy. I mean, so many godly people have cried out and it's okay. It's okay. Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He had a desperate cry. But then he asked a difficult question as we get to these fourth set of words. He said, Eli, Eli, or some translations, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Tough words. That's a mixture of Aramaic and, and Hebrew as he shared those difficult words. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You might remember that the psalmist David back in Psalm chapter 22 verse 1 had prayed that same prayer. And if you read much of Psalm 22, it's really prophetic, prophesying about what Jesus was sharing from the cross, a, a godly innocent victim of a sinful world. And he cried out those words, and I believe Jesus was indeed fulfilling prophecy. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David would go on to say, why so far from saving me? Why so far from the words of my groaning? And maybe that's what you felt. Have you been asking God some difficult questions during this season or maybe after losing a loved one? Remember Job? Job was an upright man who feared God and shunned evil, a righteous man, and yet he lost all ten of his children, lost his livestock, lost his home, lost his own health. His own wife said, curse God and die. But he didn't, but in verse Chapter 7 of Job, verse 20, he said, Why have you made me your target? <laughs> and maybe that's how you felt. Is there a target on my back? He went on to say, Have I become a burden to you that you would allow all this to happen to me? Why have you made me your target? He asked a difficult question. David in Psalm chapter 6, verse 3, he said, in my soul, there is such anguish. How long, O oh Lord? How long? When is this going to be over? 
how much longer am I going to have to endure before things get better? We've all asked some difficult questions, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, we never have to worry about being forsaken or abandoned. Did you know that? Because of what Jesus did, Hebrews 13, 5, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And in the end of that great commission out of Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he said, and surely I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So we know he promises to be with us. And more than that, he promises a beautiful place for you and me when we know him as our Lord and Savior, a beautiful place in heaven. I share it with you all the time when Jesus said in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Do you know the way? Do you know the way today? to that beautiful place. Jesus said in verse 6 of John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you don't know the way today, it's through Jesus Christ. It's by confessing your sin to him and, and asking him to forgive you and, and inviting him to come in to be your Lord and your Savior. I want to tell you all, there's more to this life than what we're going through right now. For those of us who know Christ, we have the hope of eternal life. And we have a supernatural strength that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. I've had people to say to me, Todd, I don't, how have you gotten through? Your family's been hit hard. How have you been able to do it? Through grace alone and the Spirit of God. For when I am weak, then I am strong through Christ. And you can have that same strength available to you. But maybe you were taught as a child, were you ever taught, don't question God? I was taught kind of growing up, we're not supposed to question God. But I have to tell you something. As I've grown older and, and matured in the faith, God would rather us ask him than not talk to him at all. God wants us to talk to him. He already knows how we feel and what we're thinking and what's going on. But he wants us to have that kind of relationship that we can even ask him those difficult questions. Why did my loved one not get well on this side of eternity? Why did this happen to this person who is such a godly Christian person? Why is this person enduring such suffering? It's so unfair all they've ever tried to do is love people and be kind to people. Why is this happening? Why are they being treated like this? Life is not fair. But that's why God's grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. And he helps us through those difficult times. I want to close by sharing a story. My brother Terry, who as a retired pastor, he shared a story uh, in a message from years ago about a church member in his church. He said he had a brilliant mind, but he also had some, some challenges. And uh, you'll understand when I begin to share some of the challenges, he said some of these challenges that he had, even though he's a brilliant mind, 
he was challenged mentally because he did some things that didn't make a whole lot of sense. He drove from Manchester to London, Kentucky, in reverse in his car. He drove all the way in reverse. True story. He ran for governor several years. When there was an election, he would run for governor. He shared that he came into church one Sunday wearing golf shoes that had the middle the metal spikes on them. And he came into church with those golf shoes on. Then he said he would come forward often, and he came up at the invitation at one of the services, and he brought my brother a photocopy of himself. It was a picture of himself photocopied and gave it to my brother and said, this man wants to give his personal testimony every day. My brother shared that because of his challenges, he was uh, someone separated from society. Society did not always embrace him and welcome him. And many times, he was separated from himself. He lived in a beat-up old trailer by himself. But guess what? When he came to church... Because of the love of Jesus, he was accepted and welcomed in that place. And I'm sure he had felt lonely many times and had asked why or why am I the way I am or why do people treat me this way undeservingly. But he always felt welcomed and loved in God's house. What about you? That's what God's church is, a field hospital for the sin, sick, and hurting and those who are going through life's challenges and struggles. That's, that's why it's so important that we fellowship with one another. That's why it's so important. You know, I've been concerned. How's the church going to be when all this is said? Are people going to come back? Are they just going to continue to worship at home and grow complacent and comfortable? Are we going to have to rebuild God's church? God's going to rebuild God's church. And we're just going to follow his lead and trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. All we have to do is trust in him. Are you ready to do that even right now? Quit putting off, quit making excuses. Well, I've got to get this in order. I've got to take care of it. He wants us to come just as we are, and he'll take care of the rest. The changes, the rebuilding, the transformation. He wants us just to step out on faith. Aren't you ready to do so right now? Cry out to him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May we pray. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any folks in this place or watching, that if they've never given their life fully surrendered to Jesus, that this would be the day of salvation. Someone might pray a, a simple prayer, even in their own words, to say, Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Thank you, God, for saving me. 
I love you, Jesus. Lord, if someone could pray that and mean it, they will begin their lifelong, eternal journey of living for Jesus. Lord, maybe there are Christians that have grown calloused and cold, thinking that you've abandoned us and forsaken us. And Lord, they felt the heaviness of loneliness. And Lord, I pray today that they would have their hearts stirred and renewed. And Lord, that they would come back to you. And we know, God, that you're waiting to embrace us and welcome us back home. Father, maybe there are folks looking for a church home. I say it every week. We're not a perfect church, but we serve a perfect God who loves us in spite of our failures and our, our dents and our bruises and our deficiencies. Thank you, Father, that you love us anyway and that you're a God who pursues us. And Lord, I just pray today that however you're leading us and whatever you're wanting us to do, you would make it crystal clear that your ways and your thoughts are so much greater and above ours and that you have a perfect plan for us. So may we just step out on faith right now and say, I'm going to follow you, Lord, however and wherever. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we're going to sing a hymn of commitment or invitation. If you're here, I'm going to invite you to stand. If you make a decision at home, it'd be our privilege to talk with you or pray with you if you'll contact our office. But right now, I'm going to invite you to stand and join as we sing this hymn of commitment. And this front row is open. If you would like to come up, it'd be my privilege to speak with you and pray with you. However, the Holy Spirit leads. Won't you come as we sing? Take
much for worshiping with us today, and I pray that the Lord spoke to you through His Word and through the Holy Spirit, and that we would all uh, be encouraged, and it's okay to uh, ask Him those difficult questions and know He understands, and He loves you and me very much. If you're on our email list, you will be receiving discussion questions to go over with your family or friends about the message today and how it applies to our lives. And this has been taking the place of our Sunday evening time together to do a table group, again, with those you feel comfortable to meet with. And then as we uh, try to get things opened up a little bit more, next Sunday for the 8.30 service, uh, there will be no reservations. And if it's a success, then we'll add that to 11 o'clock. And then we're working toward Easter on Palm Sunday. We're going to be having one service at 10 a.m. And the reason is that's when normally our choir Easter program and orchestra. But this year, under the circumstances, Allison Durham Spear, who some of you all have heard sing here before, is going to be giving a concert on Palm Sunday, 10 a.m., and uh, we'll give you more details. And in Easter, we're going to be looking at an 8 o'clock, a 9.30, and 11 o'clock service. And we'll give you more details. We get a little bit closer, but continue to pray. We've been faithful. Our safety risk management team and our staff, we have tried our best to keep you safe while continuing to minister. It's been a challenge, but I pray that we're getting closer to the end of this craziness so we can get back to semi-whatever-normal is going to look like. I mean, if I can get over this, I'm going to be okay. But that's a joke. But uh, I hope that you will continue to pray for us. Doug and Kim, it was great having you, and I humbly appreciate your kind gesture and, and giving and sharing with us that wonderful news. Uh, when Doug shared that with me on the phone, um, I, I wasn't even aware that, that we had been in the top 10, and to God be the glory, great things he has done. And we praise him. May we continue to bring the lost to Christ. There are a lot of people out there that this would be a great time to let them know that if the world were to end today, we have the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. So continue to bring the lost to Christ. Thank you for worshiping with us. Have a blessed and wonderful day. Bill's going to Lead us in a closing song. Don't forget how much God loves you and we love you too. that love with you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.